Welcome back, Clinies, to season two, episode two of our new season of Clinically Impressed. Two and two. Um, I'm so excited. Today, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Brittany. Um, she comes to us with a wealth of knowledge, talking about everything from her journey through foster care to where she landed now. Um, so we'll get into that. So hi, Brittany. Hey, hey, Brittany. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm a little She'll delayed. She'll get more talking apparently. about it. Get going. Would, yeah. <laughs> You're fine. So You're we'll fine. start off talking about hot topics this week. Girl, the the guy. I don't want to get sued for talking about him, but the guy <laughs> suing uh <laughs> Suing the ladies. What is it? Chicago, I think. Suing a bunch of uh, people on a Facebook group mm-hmm. for defamation, I think, is like the main thing. Um, apparently, they dated him. Oh, what is it are called? We, you are say we dating the same guy? Yes. They have a few groups like that. I've seen a few TikTok videos that it'll show like a girl in some someone's apartment. And it's like, has anyone been here before? <laughs> oh is this gosh. anyone else's apartment? I didn't even know that um, was part of it. I just found it. a hair tie in the bathroom. <laughs> is, any, is this yeah. anyone's boyfriend? <laughs> I, Which, I first of all, in- I'm so happy for those ladies. Go ahead. They have them in like major cities. They have the um, groups of are we dating the same guy? And people mm-hmm. will post like their name and all these this information about them and then other people jump in and oh it's 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 a lot of drama (laughs) oh my goodness it's definitely a lot of drama i think it's interesting for the defamation part because i googled what the fuck def like define defamation Mm -hmm. for me and basically it's just talking trash that supposedly is untrue and that defames your character the fact that you can sue that, so I could sue so many people. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, so you can just sue people for talking about you? I, I assume there had to be some type of link to, like, what happened? he got fired because of this. Or, you know, like, I thought there had to be, like, a he link lost to all a his negative girlfriends. impact on your life. Yeah, the link is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't get a relationship. <laughs> My gosh. Man. You know, and I got, I don't want to bring up like Salem witch trials or anything, but all I got to say is men just stay having a fucking problem when women talk to each you other. You know, is all I'm that is <laughs> so true. And I, I know a bunch of people who actually like found that group super helpful because then they, hell yeah, like, the sexual oh, yeah. predators. There was that girl that got like saved in Orange County because, um, an ex girlfriend of the guy that was abusing her found the apartment. It was like a whole thing. Like there's some saviors in there, and this guy just be mad about it. We all. gotta, you know what? Just it's time to be a girl's girl. You gotta protect each other. <laughs> well, um, there's even that one dating app too where. Uh, a guy can't join it. It's for like heterosexual couples, and a guy can't join it unless he is sponsored by a woman. That's a thing. Oh, that I've never heard of mm-hmm. that. Shoot, let me look it up. Actually, that's but, yeah. actually cool. Like I, I vouch yeah. that this guy is a good guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure there's some like not very nice girls that might like you know. Okay, fine, I'll sponsor you. But for the most, you part, didn't beat my ass. Like, that I, barely give, that. I barely give away recommendations for work. I can't imagine <laughs> telling any man he could go on a dating site. Oh my gosh, that's so cool though. But saves a lot of people the trouble. Mm-hmm. Were you going to say something? Brittany? Yeah, definitely. No, I don't think so. Okay. Hula. That's what it's called. 
Yeah, I've never Hula heard of that before. Allows women to become ringleaders. Oh, no, wait. Uh, yeah, ringleaders, in quotes, mm-hmm. capable of endorsing men on the platform. Mm. As a result, this provides accountability for male users and reassures women that they're dating in a safer community. So I mean, the idea is all about safety. I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah, I like it. Way better than the, uh, what was it? Is it Hinge that the woman talks first, I think? That's Bumble. Ooh, oh, it's Bumble, yeah. Bumble. But that's way that's way better than Bumble, having somebody vouch for him because a lot of sketchy mm-hmm. people out there. Yikes. I mean, we have to apply with uh, recommendation letters for jobs. Why not relationships? <laughs> Dang, you spent fire today. You ain't. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's an anti-man kind of day. Sorry for the male listeners. I'm not in a good space. Well, you know, it's true. I mean, they should do the same thing for some women, too. Some women are abusers just the same. But I don't see them having, are we dating the same mm-hmm. women? App groups. Exactly. That's their fault for not yeah. starting it. That's true. <laughs> Anyways, well, today's topic, we're going to talk about what it's like to have a traumatic background going into a helping mm. profession. So, Oof. Brittany, what, heavy, heavy, what heavy. is the beginning of your story? Oh, well, this goes way back. Um, <laughs> I was born. No <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me start with my first memory, okay? Uh, <laughs> honestly, I, this is probably one of my first memories. Um, I was I lived with my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister in Indiana. And I, one of my first memories is my mom putting me on the plane in the middle of the night by myself, just Load me on a plane and saying, you're going to go live with your grandma. So no idea. Don't know where my brother and sister are. Don't know why this is happening. So that, for me, I feel like was traumatic. I, I didn't, I wasn't upset about it. I was just like, okay, it's happening. Um, fast forward. So I lived with my grandma Man, for a while. the kids. Yeah, I know. Well, that's part of like who I am now is I adapt really well to situations and people because of it. But, um, yeah, so I, I lived out with my grandma for um, kindergarten, preschool and kindergarten. And then eventually my mom got me back. She, I moved back to Indiana and I stayed there for first and second grade. And then she lost custody of us for some months. So in Indiana, like the way that she basically we were abandoned, we I my brother and I to go to school the next day it was it was a thursday night my brother's birthday was the next day that's why i remember it Mm -hmm. so for uh we were home alone and my i'm seven my brother was turning 10 so Mm -hmm. we're home alone and he wanted to he's like let's just go to a neighbor's house because we didn't know where my mom was and that's you know before cell phones and things like that it wasn't easy to track somebody down so we went to a neighbor's house and then we went to school the next day I had forgotten my backpack in my house and my brother had locked the door. So I, uh, my teacher was mad. She was like, why did, why don't you have your homework? And I just started crying and I told her that my mom didn't come home and Mm. she sent me to the front office. And by the time I got there, my brother was already there. So immediately from there, we, the school counselor takes us to like a, like a DCSF, uh, DCF, how do you say it? DCSF, right? I think. 
Um, yeah, so we went and there's like this office with cubicles and my brother's crying and it's his birthday also. And oh my, my foster family was, I was so sad. I know it was his birthday. So my foster family is there and mind you, like, I still have a great relationship with this foster family. Um, they took us straight mm-hmm. from the facility to, I want to say Toys R Us. And they bought my brother. They told him to pick whatever he wanted out for because it was his birthday. And they bought him a Game Boy. So you guys know how expensive those things were back then. Probably like a hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the very first like colored Game Boys. Wow. Um, yeah, but big money. Yeah, but I was um um what inc- you laugh as serious <laughs> It <money>. really was. <laughs> Uh, it really, really was, but I am so, okay. so thankful that we were placed with that family because they're just, I'm still very close with them. I still go out and visit them and we stayed with them for a couple Aww. months until my mom signed over her rights to my dad and we moved out to California. Wow. So where was your dad during this whole, um, situation? So my parents had been separated. My mom was married to somebody else. I don't know where that guy was. Um, <laughs> I don't know where he was, why he wasn't home either. But my dad was a truck driver, so he just drove around the States and stuff. Um, and then when my mom lost custody of us, it was like he started getting the ball rolling on getting a home that he could have like a stable living. He had to leave. He had to quit doing truck driving because he knew that he was going to get us. And I remember he would like – he. He would, what's it called, uh, make flyers to, like, do yard work and stuff because he couldn't find a job yet. So it took him some time to get a job, but he he eventually did find something stable for us. Wow. So how do you think that that journey of your life being, you know, sounds like a lot of, like, unstable events that led you to where you were. Mm -hmm. Do you think that had an impact on your career choice and where you went from there. Yeah. Well, I think so. Cause I think having experienced it, you have a lot of compassion for all walks of life. Like you, you understand, like mm-hmm. you don't know everything that everyone's gone through. So being in a help helping career, like as for me, I'm uh, you know, a paramedic. Um, I, I feel like I went that route because one, I went through EMT because I I needed I needed constant change, and that's probably part of my because I've had to adapt to things so much mm-hmm. that I'm I like crave different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then oh, and then uh, the other part is the the helping others because like I know what I can handle, and I don't want other people to have to go through things. I guess if that makes sense. Like you whatever wanna, I like, can do to help to not blow. have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Like, do you feel like a lot of the, you know, being in that helping profession, do you feel like you've had a lot of triggering moments or what does the mental health of you and your team look like being in something like that? You know, I don't, I don't feel like I get triggered a lot by stuff and I don't know if it's just, it hasn't hit me yet. Um, the, the hardest thing for me ever on calls is, is the families. Like usually if it has to do with like somebody died, you know, um, it's, it's the family members that are grieving that it, it just kills me, but it's not like it's never the the person or the, 
the pain of like the person, like they broke a leg, whatever, you know, it, that's not, not an issue for me. Um, it's the families or, or the kids, the kids that are affected by things that are out of their control, unfortunately. Um, as for like my team and stuff, we have the CISM. Do you guys know what CISM is? No, tell us. Uh, in well, in, the med- in our medical field, at least, it's critical incident stress management, and that is like peer-on-peer oh. counseling for our members when traumatic calls happen. So, yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, when I was at uh, one of my ambulance companies, we I was pretty much in charge of it, and we would I had like set days for everybody that was on the team. Mm-hmm. So if a call went out of like, usually it had to do with a kid or um, some very, very traumatic like event happened. I would call whoever was on call that day and see if they could go meet with the crew that ran the call. And just basically they would uh, counsel them and, and just make sure that they were okay. And if they needed to go home, that's, we, we allowed them to go home. They still got paid for the day and, and they could decompress because we want to uh, we want to get rid of the stigma of you signed up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, peer support, especially with helping professions, is like a huge thing nowadays. Thankfully, mm-hmm. it's becoming like way more normalized, um, which I appreciate. And I think it's it can mm-hmm. be a little complicated because obviously you want to hear from someone who's been through what you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, social work wise, it's interesting when we, especially as me, uh, you know, Ash do therapy. So there's a part of mental health that somewhat needs to be handled. I think by professionals that know what they're like doing and talking about and having that type of knowledge, but there's this other right. aspect of someone being able to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it, reminds me a lot of like substance counselors because we've talked about that before where that's like the one um, mental health professional position that you can have where you can nearly like boast about the trouble and the issues that you've had. Yeah. And it's almost a requirement nearly. That actually is what my mom, my mom did that uh, substance abuse Mm. counseling. She did do that. Yeah. Wow. And she, yeah, she had to go through schooling for it, but it's not as rigorous as stuff that you have done and um but yeah you you do you have to tell them like what drugs you've done how how long you Mm -hmm. did them what you went through and how you got clean because that's it's so important for them to see that yeah yeah there's a lot of different levels when it comes i mean slightly off topic Mm -hmm. substance use but there's there's like weirdly different levels because you can like be a certified substance use counselor and then peer support specialist yeah peer support like there's different stuff but then like for people like me and ash if you were an lcsw but you also worked at a substance clinic um you would still be allowed to have that type of uh what do we what was it called ashley it's um the certification willful disclosure willful disclosure because we talk about that a lot about how uh in therapy, you have to be very purposeful and, and protective almost of telling clients like what you've been through because it's not about you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to like figure yes. out how can I share with these people without harming these people. But substance is so – it's just so uniquely different. And doing something that you do, it, being able to ha- 
you know, relate to other people in the same field, you have to have that knowledge and that expertise because oh, yeah. there's mm-hmm. no trust, right? Like, do you feel like you ex- experience mm-hmm. that a lot? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes and no. Like, you kind of blindly trust that we've all been through things, even though some of us haven't, I guess. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's like, if you don't mm-hmm. talk, if you don't talk about your experiences, you've actually probably been through a lot. And the ones that talk about like all their stories, it's like, it's like, take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so fucking <laughs> true. <laughs> I was just thinking about like all of these people that I know that'll like immediately start like talking about all these crazy calls that they've been on. And I'm yeah. sitting there like thinking about all of them and just like not really saying anything. <laughs> it didn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. No, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. No, that exactly. No, that's that's like uh no, that's true. But we um the company that I was with, they also they put us through like a, a course, a CISM course. There was actually like training for peer counseling, I guess. Wow. Very cool. So they're Very really cool. they're really into trying to help the people from within. You know, uh, people who know the job know yeah. how to help other people who are struggling. Yeah, they they're like I said, we're trying to tra- change that stigma of uh, the the ego of you you signed up for this, you you knew what you were getting into, and it's mm. it's like yeah, like we want to help and we want to be there, but it doesn't mean that we have to do it alone and we have to like shove it down and pretend like it doesn't bother us. Do you feel like responding to mental health, like crisis calls and things like that has been like a really big impact for you, like something you really enjoy doing? Yeah, no, I, I, it's one of my favorite parts of it is being there for other crew members and uh, letting them know that they don't have to do it alone and that there are options because we have, um, like, uh, if, if you have an, an incident where you want to seek counseling, the company offers, I think it's like six sessions, um, through, through the company. So they're not paying for it. And you just, you, you make a couple phone calls and and you Mm -hmm. find a counselor and then you can, uh, it's, I think it's like zoom counseling, which makes it even easier and allows them to decompress Mm -hmm. it with a professional outside of, you know, just the peers. If, if peers isn't enough. Yeah, me and Ash have talked about that before. It's like a typical um, employee as- like assistant service or whatever. Mm-hmm. The only issue I really ever ha- – that I personally have with that as a therapist is six sessions is just fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean that could the- be six weeks. That's just – we have enough. like loopholes where you can bring your spouse in on it and get an extra six sessions. Oh, that's something. That's yeah. so sad. You got to be married. What about all the single people? Yeah. yeah. I know. Because well, I mean, I yeah, you could probably bring a family member or something. Like there's ways to get those extra sessions, but you're right. It is it is sad that you have to figure it out. I think it's valuable like to obviously have something to offer, but I just with I wish the bridge to ongoing sessions was better. Because I've had to take on mm-hmm. clients that had just been seen by somebody else, and but you, ha- as a therapist, you have to do a whole new intake, and you got to ask somebody all these fucked up questions. Tell me about all this stuff mm-hmm. that they just mm-hmm. told somebody else. 
Yeah. The continuity of care is just not there. So like ending the stigma is just very hard, especially when you're limited on how many sessions, like how, how can you deal with a crisis call in six weeks? That's almost like adding to the, well, you signed up for this. So six weeks, you better be better. I, that's what that's what it to me is yeah. saying. Like you have mm-hmm. six sessions to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, I, I hope. I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna hope that maybe it's it's more portrayed of like here's the beginning of a of your healing journey is six sessions with this specific company. Yeah, so, and I mean, I hope that um, they do they do go maybe through their own personal um, insurance and seek counseling, but, you know, not everybody opts for insurance these days. Mm, yeah. That, that part. For sure. Yeah. Because insurance yeah. is expensive. You almost mm-hmm. have to be, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a whole other topic we could dive right into, but for uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people don't have the cash to pay for therapy all the time. So yeah, very true. So with knowing that mental health was your favorite part of your job, have you ever thought about being a mental health provider for people who are in crisis positions like the one that you're in? When I first started going to college, I wanted to go, I went for psychology. So I I wanted to be a therapist of sorts. And um, I don't know, I think having my daughter change the route because I was like, oh, I need to work now and not go continue going to school because I needed to make money. So that's when I fell into the EMT. And then it's like, where do you go from here? You know, we went EMT to medic and um, then to firefighter. And then I firefighters not working out. So then I, now I just had another baby. So I can't, I mean, I could go back to fire, but I, I don't see that happening because the shifts are, you know, 48 hours long and I have a newborn. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I've molded around and I mold around going and being a nurse. Um, I worked as a, at a drug and alcohol detox facility and I, I did some, like, I don't want to say counseling there, but we did like group, group therapy sessions yeah. where I would sit and talk through things with them. Uh, me not being an addict, I don't know how much weight that held, but I was just there for them as, as a as a person, basically. Sometimes you everybody don't, responds yeah. to that stuff differently. Some mm-hmm. people I've known people that it's like they only want to talk to someone who's been what they've been through, and then I've talked to other people who they why I don't want an addict as my helping professional. Why would I well, want to hear what they have to say? So everyone's different. I was able to share like. Because there's a lot of like moms in there that are trying to get their kids back and stuff, right? So obviously my mom will like abandon me, right? So I have that to say this is what happened. And then now my mom is my biggest support. Like she watches my kids. She's sober. She she has her own house, but she pretty much lives with me because I, I need the help because I was working 48 hours a week. And so I needed her to take my daughter to school and I needed her to, you know, take her to gymnastics and all these things while I worked and she's been like my biggest support now. So having that and being able to share that with uh, others, it was, it was nice because they could see like, Oh, there, there is hope. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I must have missed something or maybe it wasn't said right away because you said the word abandoned a couple times and in my mind, <laughs> mom was just gone. But you said she <laughs> lives with you and she's like A substance abuse counselor. Yeah, she said yeah. that part, but I was thinking that it was before all this went down. <laughs> oh, so, no. Whoa. Tell tell us how the healing journey on that and getting mom back in your life and being a per, like now a legit permanent fixture. Yeah, so um my mom was a meth addict and a little she's an addict in general like she still deals with the uh, like we're trying to get her to quit smoking cigarettes. She's almost mm. there. <laughs> but um so yeah. after when I was, you know, 7 and she lost custody of us, we lived with my dad and she would pop in and out here and there but for the most part I didn't have any kind of relationship with her until I was 18 when my sister had her her first son and she my mom finally got clean she's like she wanted to be I don't know she wanted to be there for the grand her grandkid so she got sober and she's been consistently in our life since I think she's probably had a relapse or two in that time which is you know what normal 15 years yeah within the last 15 years but i think she's been sober at least eight years now without relapse yeah um so during during that time she she worked at a drug and alcohol detox facility while she was going to school and i remember i used to help her with her papers because she wasn't very good at writing so i'd be able to help her you know get what she was trying to say down on paper and punctuate it properly, um, which allowed her to get her counseling certificate. So I, I don't know exactly what it was, but she was able to be a drug and alcohol counselor and take on like clients at the facility that we worked at. And the, the facility, I, I worked there too, just because she, she ended up getting me a job there when I was living down there. And it was, it was pretty, pretty cool. I, I liked it. Um, I liked seeing the people go from, detoxing and just miserable and then you know two weeks in they're opening up and being able to express themselves and you know they're hopeful for the future which was just awesome Mm -hmm. well it sounds like all the experiences that you've had is really aiding you into a more significant helping profession like therapy, not to like recruit you to our yeah. side, but I mean, <laughs> but doing therapy wrong. You know, Ashley, you, you continuously like poke at that. You're like, oh, why don't you go? Uh, you know, I'm therapy. Just like, why don't you go counseling? <laughs> I'm just saying, you have the skill. You've already been in positions where you utilized it. Now hone it in and make this your life because you do talk to people all the time. You talked to me when I was a kid and we were kids trying to go through the same traumas together. I mean, Mm -hmm. you are preparing your life for helping other people. And even if that means going back to school for a little bit longer while you raise your baby and have that flexibility, you are doing all the things that I'm sure Rebecca and I have experienced before too. Yep, yeah. it's uh what is it? If you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And who better? You so have corny, all the support. I, <laughs> I mean, this podcast turned into a recruiting session, I think. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, it, it's cool because my brother also he's a he's a school counselor now. So okay. that's just uh, all of our traumas falling into helping mm-hmm. others is it's cool to see. I mean, you were even the mental health provider on your paramedic team. I mean, come on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know where yeah, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you're I appreciate wrong. everything that you shared. Um, is there something you feel like you want to say before you like walk away from the pod and be like, oh, this is one if I could, you know, really tell the people one thing. Mm. Was a lot I'd of pressure. say it's, I it's well, no, I'd say but. it's, it's to work on like yourself. Like I think most people need therapy and I, I still need therapy because I deal with so much imposter syndrome. And like I said, um, with, Same. with the, with the way that I was brought up and having to adapt to everything, I struggle with my own identity because I can fit in with literally any group that I come across because I, I needed to as a kid and that's mm-hmm. just, yeah, that yeah I, I had to. So chameleon it's just, factor. Yeah. And like, I, I like it, but at the same time I hate it because like I've kind of, I've, tr- I've tried to stop it. Cause I'll tell my daughter like basically to don't do that. Cause I'm like, what are they going to think? And then I'm like, wait, do whatever you want. Like, don't, don't listen to me, mm. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's still something that I need to work on. And, and I just like to tell everybody, like, if you have traumas in your life like that, that get working on them as early as possible. So you don't have to deal with, uh, adapting to everyone else. Just, I just want to figure out who I am and what I want to be and just be myself and not have to worry about what everybody else mm. thinks. <laughs> oh, dang. To be fair, we well, still struggle God. with imposter syndrome too. Every oh, day. Yeah. Every oh, yeah. single day. And it's, I know I, that's I, just I, being yeah. a that's just being a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um well before we totally get off the topic, I have um some crisis lines that I wanted to share just for anyone yeah. who is listening. Um Obviously, United States a few years ago took over and started doing the 988. There's some problems mm-hmm. with that, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, because like the, the different states and the different counties have to like get it together. But if 988 doesn't work for you, there's something called Frontline Helpline. It's 866-676-7500. And that's first responders and family members struggling with trauma can get support from former responders, kind of like mm. what you were talking about. Wow. There's the Heroes that. Warm Line. Yeah, there I got a few. There's the Heroes Warm Line 844-833-HERO provides resources and confidential peer support services designed for first responders and their friends and family. And then Cop Line 800-267-5463 answered by retired officers trained in providing mental health support available 24/7. That's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. So many so. first responders come back to help in a different capacity. It's mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. to see. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for being a part of the pod today. <laughs> and Thanks that's for it having me. for episode two. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for today's topic. If you want to stay in the loop of anything new and exciting happening with this crazy duo, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Clinically Impressed. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to stay connected, stay hydrated, and always practice safe social work.